Hello and welcome once again, one and all, to what is now issue number three. It's, it's quite incredible, the weeks are, are flying past. Uh, it seems no time at all since issue one, but issue number three of Champ We Are United podcast. And in, over the last two, we've been introducing ourselves and we've been talking everything Riverton United from the comic uh, Champ and the story We Are United. And we're going to be covering that in a bit more detail tonight. First of all, looking at the first appearance of Riverton in the Picture Story Monthly, which was issue number two back in the day. And we're also going to be getting tonight into Roy of the Rovers a bit more. Talking about Roy uh, past and present and maybe even future. And we're also going to be posing that question. Why don't we really have football comics now? What's happened? Why has it changed? Why is all this dearth of new material coming out? And I'm delighted as always to be joined tonight by Ridders. Hello, all. Good to be back again. And also by Gull. Good evening, everyone. Unless you're listening to it during the day. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and just a mention of our website as well, right at the outset here, which is www.champweareunited.com. And over 50,000 50, posts on there. Um, in which we talk a lot about Roy Verovers and Striker and Riverton and many, many other topics connected to the comics in general. So do give it a look. So I'm going to hand over to Riddles just to, to introduce the first section then on um, the Picture Story Monthly issue number two. Yeah, yeah, here we go. So this is um, my first match, my first match at the mill. This is where I first came across um, Riverton. I think we touched on it on the last podcast, but I didn't read them in the early champs and victors and stuff. This is where I picked it up in the summer of 1986. With the, uh, I think it, it must be to have coincided with the World Cup. I'm sure there was some marketing there. Get these picture story monthlies out, and it was it was Mexico '86, and issue one uh, was Stark mission in Mexico. Yeah. John Stark features in Scoop and a few of the other DC Thompson publications. It, it, you know, if you were a football comic reader in the 80s, you'd have come across John Stark. He was match winner for hire. I think that was his tag, wasn't it? Yes. Kind of a, yeah. Um, and then issue two of the Picture Story Monthlies was We Are United. And yeah, the first introduction to Riverton. Um, and basically the story revolves around... This, the, it's the same guys and the, the same team from Champ and Victor. Um, on the first page, they're coming out at the mill in the UEFA Cup final. So I am the true... Oh, there you go. Look at that. There it is. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, they're, com they're coming out at the mill uh, in the first leg. So I am a comic book glory hunter. I joined them when things were good. You know, I supported them when... They were big and successful and a great big club. But it's it's a really good story. I know I, I must have to just put that straight in right sort of from the outset. What they're doing is they're um they're against Eastern European um the Eastern European champions and they're called Dynamo Leapsag. And well, it's I'm basically well, they're from Brutavia. Right, right. And I think it was a little trend I noticed in in some of the football stories where not only the you get the football team names made up, but some of the countries are as well. Some of the country names, because I believe England in issue one with John Stark playing for them play um, Panawa and yes. and a, a country called Arvenal. So I don't know whether that's just not to upset upset anyone from those countries or they don't put real countries in for that reason, but. Um, they soon fixed that, but yeah, I noticed that in a few of the earlier editions, the countries were even made up, the country names. But anyway, yeah, so we joined United running out at the mill, and it it's a really good story. It's a real, I wouldn't say a typical football story, but United are our team, and they're up against it. In the first leg, we've got a, we've got a biased 
Eastern European referee. We've got cheating. We've got gamesmanship. We've got everything. It's it's a real good versus bad. It's a real it's really good story. And basically, the first leg is basically a list of bad refereeing decisions, terrible challenges, and and on and they get a lucky goal scored against them. Um, it's it's really good because they draw and animate the players looking really cross and angry and you can see them getting really annoyed with the referee and um, I believe Hedgehog even says flaming amazing so there's some pretty coarse language going on for, for a comic book you know so uh, yeah and basically they lose the first leg and, and they can't believe the bad refereeing decisions and all this that and the other and in between the first leg and the second leg they play a league game and they just they just play terribly. Um, Kevin Nicklish misses a penalty. This sort of thing goes on, and, and they get beat by Brummington, who um, they feature heavily in. Are they in Royal the Rovers? Brummington, just as a little offshoot there. Uh, the, I think they're a name that features in Football Picture Story Monthly, definitely. But I think I, I think yeah. I mentioned in some of the, the Royal the Rovers stories. Um, but anyway, so they, we have this disastrous first leg. And even that the crowd boo them off at the mill after the first leg. So I wasn't, wasn't, wasn't happy about that crowd reaction. But anyway. But yeah, so they have this really dodgy... They, they play their last league game of the season, get beat. And then the second leg is just more disaster for them. They travel abroad. They get put up in a really bad hotel. Yeah. Um, the the training facilities are terrible. The... the, the... It's called the Roy Sketch Hotel, and there's, there's a wonderful scene where they arrive just at the entrance to the, the hotel here, and the windows are actually smashed in, pouring <laughs> yeah. with rain, and the couches are all bust. And yeah. Joe Pearson is naturally horrified, you know, at, at finding himself in this East European backwater, I think. Uh, yeah. And then they get upgraded, don't they? They go to the Excelsior Hotel. Yeah. Yeah, they got upgraded to the Excelsior Hotel and um, the representative from Leaps I've joined them the next morning and asked Joe Pearson, oh, how was your stay? And Joe Pearson says, oh, the hotel was better, but the traffic woke us all up at five in the morning. <laughs> so it's, it, it's clearly fun and games from the, the, the Leapsag representative. Just, yeah. just typical. It's interesting yeah. to note as well uh, that um, weren't um, English clubs still banned from European uh, tr uh, competitions at that time. Yes. But yeah, that didn't yeah. follow through in, obviously, the comic world. No, that, that's interesting. Um, you're right enough, because that was from, what, 1985 till around about 89. So it is interesting to see Riverton, yeah, taken, drawn into this, this story. And al also the yeah. fact that it's, it's the old UEFA Cup, of course, and it's a two-leg final home and away yeah. as, as it was then rather than the, the one-off occasion at a neutral ground that we have now yeah well that really dates it and gives it a bit of the old romance mm -hmm. that i think the uefa cup because it used to be the it was the U european cup european cup winners cup yeah. and the uefa cup wasn't it you had the three 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 trophies yeah. Yeah. see i don't know i don't know if this was the last i think this might have been the last season english clubs were in europe because there's there's a picture story monthly a bit later when Tricker Smart joins and United go into a pre-season tournament and it's because English clubs are banned from Europe and they have us like a, a one-off European tournament to play Italian and Italian French and, and Dutch sides. So that, that's really interesting. I don't remember that at all. No, no, that's right. Yeah, like it, I think it's it's one of the ones Tricker Smart's going for the Golden Boot. Right. And then, yeah, because the, he ties with Sandro, um, Sandro Malini, I think his name might be. They're on about four hundred goals each at the end of the season. So <laughs> they um, they, they organise a, a special European one-off tournament end of season, and they invite United in, and they can play because there's no European ties. I, it's something like maybe I'll touch upon that in a future episode. Yeah. But um, but yeah. But yeah, it's um, yes, a, a, a UEFA Cup final over two legs, yes. But um, so anyway, yeah. So United are in this much better hotel, 
but with really bad traffic. And then they get to some really poor training facilities and the players are complaining that the, it's like concrete and they don't want to slip and slide in there and, and, and all this, this really good stuff. And it's basically, it's completely just pure tactics to put them off for the second leg. It really is. It's really good tactics and that it's it, it's they're just trying to put United off but there's always this running thing through with the United stories that we are United we're not going to be unsettled and, and you think everything's going to be okay and then Kevin Nicklish and Terry Evans get arrested by the military police yes. for, take, for <laughs> taking photographs they're in <laughs> they're in one of the Brutavian um, public squares and they're just taking pictures of each other and uh, when Joe Pearson's called into the police station, he's shown the uh, he's shown the photograph um, that they've been arrested for, and it's it's Kevin Nicklish standing in front of random buildings, and one of them is an army military uh, station, and they arrest them on the spot for being spies. <laughs> it's so mid nineteen eighties, isn't it? The Cold War and the yeah. Iron Curtain. <laughs> it is. It's really Unless good. The Brezhnev type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. yeah it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, and it's again, it's clearly tactics, and, and they're there till really late, trying to sort out to, to get them free and stuff like that. So they end up getting back to the hotel really late. Um, and there's a good scene where all the players are waiting up in the hotel, and Nico and Terry Evans come back late, and Joe Pearson's right, just go to bed. We got the match tomorrow. And and the second leg appears to be to be going well a lot better really. They're you know United are pushing forward. The referee is fair, so they're, they're pushing forward. They're playing well and things like this. But they go a goal down again, and things are looking bad for them at half time. And Joe Pearson saying, "Come on, let, let's do better than this." And the players saying, "Well, yeah, okay, we'll do better." And then Mr. Dosky comes in again, and Mr. Dosky. Uh, makes a remark that the arrest warrants have been expunged for Terry Evans and Kevin Nicklish, and that the United players should be should be happy because uh, you know Leipzig, Dynamo Leipzig are, are now going to win the cup because they're they're winning an aggregate, so United don't need to worry about it and can go home. And this just this gees the United players up because Leaps, I think they've already won the final and they get all, they all, get all fired up at half-time and Joe Pearson just steps back and he's talking to Andy Bates and he just says, Mr. Doxy's just done my half-time team talk for me. And the players are all fired up and they go out and they put on a brilliant second-half performance um, and they come back to win. Uh, it's 3-2 in aggregate at, at the end. Yeah. You got, yeah. Um, the first guy, Terry Evans, sends Nicholas away to make it 2-1 an aggregate to Dynamo Leipzig then the equaliser um, Kevin Nicklish heads back across goal for Josh T to score United second on the night and it, it always seemed to be Josh T would always score a goal and the caption would be he arrived like an express train or he arrived like a freight train or something like that <laughs> and, he's, and it's a diving header into the corner, brilliant goal and then Terry Evans hits the bar late on and Benny Granger Leathers it in for three-two from about twenty-five yards, and it's you've got it there, Rabbi, haven't you? It's a really nice piece of art that uh, yeah. Benny Jones has got. It's a full page, and he's just straight into the top corner from from so far up. Because I've also got it with me as well. But uh, <laughs> and yeah, United complete the comeback, and it's a real good. It's a really good football story. When all the odds are against them, they still manage to pull through. They still manage to fight. And you know, Dynamo leaps like the cheats. They tried gamesmanship, but in the end, honourable football wins. You know, like it always does in real life. <laughs> we wish. Yeah, <laughs> but, I know. Uh, Sixty-seven pages of it uh, for twenty-six pence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those were the days. Back in oh. nineteen eighty-six. Yeah. 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 It I was great because, yeah, we were coming back from a family holiday, uh, and we pulled over to. In, in whatever town we were driving through on the way back home. And my dad came out of the newsagents with issues one and two. And I think I must have read them three or four times each on the way home. And I was like, well, that's me. That's me addicted. That, that's, this is, these are great. Yeah. And um, see, even then, even then, I remember reading the first few pages and you're reading about 
tricky midfielder, Alex Hedgehog-Jones, and tough-tackling Scotsman Duncan Fraser. Even then, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, this is like a fully, this is a fully developed team with a, a cast of characters with interrelationships that's, that's built in. It didn't feel just like a, oh, here we are, here's the first story. Yeah. And I just left it until I was an adult, really, to do my, my Googling and finding out about it. But it's, it hits the ground running, obviously. It, it's, a, it's a really good story. Sure. Oh, it is. It's a classic uh, yeah. tale, as you say, and, and very much of the time. Um, you know, an age and an era where Easter, there, was, there was an exotic nature about Eastern European football teams because we couldn't, we couldn't watch them on TV or the internet, of course, unless, you know, you, you saw them in some of these European ties. And it was, it was yeah. quite often and more often in the UEFA Cup, I think. Um, yeah. So there was a real unknown quantity to them, and I think I think that was well chosen to, to have yeah. a, this fictional Eastern European country based, as, as I said earlier, possibly somewhere like Hungary or the Czech Republic, Czechoslovakia yeah. rather at the time. Yeah. Um, so, so go your memories or, or thoughts on on that story. I remember the first time I saw issue two. I'd missed issue one completely, uh, so I didn't know of the football picture story monthlies. And I was in uh, the, the news agent in Newquay uh, on a day trip to Newquay with my my mother, and we were in this news agent. And I saw this little because it's a. For the listeners that don't know what the Football Picture Story Monthly size is, it's quite small. And there it was on the bottom shelf in the corner. And I thought, hello, that's United. Oh, and I was like 15, <laughs> 16 or 17. Oh, I was dancing around a newsagent like some sort of mad boy, I can tell you. And then, of course... <laughs> I, you know, inside it told you that uh, Stark Mission in Mexico, uh, Mexico was all, also published that month because it was two a month, of course. Yeah, yeah um, that's right. Absolutely loved issue two. And I couldn't believe that the story had continued. I thought it was all over in the, you know, in the champ run. And that was that. Um, because um, what were the dates of what the, the final champ issue compared to issue two of the Football Picture Story Monthly. Any ideas? No, I'm not. Well, uh, there's also the run in Victor, isn't there? Because there's a ch if they finish in Champ and, and they're in Victor for, I, I, I couldn't even guess, like 20 to 30 issues, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. probably, that's about a year and a half in Champ. So you're looking at, between a few months to a year after after the story in Champ concludes that we have this issue to picture story monthly. Yeah. So it's, it's fairly soon afterwards. Yeah. And of course the front cover's in uh, in colour gold. Yeah. So you got the yellow shirt. Of course. <laughs> the red stripes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Affirmation. It so stood out. It so stood out. Mm. Um and, and that was me. Uh, drawn straight into the football picture story monthlies made sure i got stark mission in mexico of course as you said earlier uh yeah, yeah 1986 mexico 86 wasn't it yeah um, that's right yeah um yeah and then i collected of course and then lost them and rab has very kindly uh pretty much completed my collection since by uh letting me have uh some of his yeah yeah, that's right. I, I um, sent, sent you down quite a few, uh, a few months ago, I think, wasn't it? And yeah. It was more, I think, more of the early ones for memory at that time. And, and I know that price-wise now, uh, it seems to be that the later editions of Official Story Monthly do go for more money. And... I'm not entirely sure why that is, but the earlier ones seem seem to be easier to pick up. So yeah. say issues number one up to 100 um, tend to be that bit cheaper. Yeah, I, I think there's more of them. I think, yeah, I, I, yes. I, I, yeah, I seem to get that impression. Yeah. The front run was, was greater then, as you say. 
Um, and of course, the later issues of uh, the United stories, because on the covers, apart from the first one, I think, it didn't say a United story on the front because it was, I think, in, you, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, but the latter ones were reruns of the early ones that they weren't, they were duplicated later on in the run, weren't they? Yeah, which is very similar to the way that Commando is. Yes. Doing, you know, so obviously from the same stable of DC Thompson. And, you know, that, this is a conversation we've had often, I think, on the, the forums on uh, championunited.proboards.com, just a wee reminder there. And really wondering why Commando still exists to this day and it's producing four issues per month. And yet the, the, the football element of this, the picture study monthly, just, just fizzled out. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always baffled me because I mean, how popular is football these days? I mean, I mean, you know, it's there's about 300 channels showing it every day. You know, it's everywhere. The footballers are everywhere. You know, as a marketing tool, even just as yeah. pure, I don't know, capitalism. <laughs> You'd want a football comic out there advertising your football products, even. You know, and then for the stories to be about. I just, you know, if football wasn't so popular, I could see why the the comic would die out. But yes, um, but yeah, I I, I don't know. And, and, but, and Commando is still, I mean, I don't know what issue Commando must be on. I don't know too much about it. But 3,000 or something. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's way, way up. It's way up. Um, so, but thinking, thinking of this golden age, really, of the 1970s, the 1980s, we're, we're talking there about the mid-1980s, and of course, we very much still had Roy of the Rovers, and, you know, at that time, Roy had been running since, what, the 1950s as a story when it started in, in Tiger um, in 1954. And then when it became its own comic from 1976 onwards. And I think one of, one of the appeals for me of, of Roy the Rovers, I did always admittedly read the, the main strip, the cut in colour, of course, about Melchester first, but there were some other fantastic stories in there. Uh, particular favourites, you had Rick Stewart as goalkeeper. You had uh, Mike's Many Men, which was a story based on clearly Subutio at the time, and I know, Gull, you were a fan of that. Oh, yeah, very much so. Um, my first introduction to Mike's Many Men was actually in one of the Rovers annuals, uh, and then I sort of researched back and found out where it had been printed. Um, I absolutely loved Mike's Mini Men. And goalkeeper and the safest hands in soccer as well. I loved Rick and Gordon Stewart. Yes, yeah, very much so. Um, you also had the hard man, of course, Johnny Dexter. And of course uh, he went, his story ended in the hard man. And uh, then it, bizarrely, he went to the fourth division with Burnside Athletic in Dexter's Dozen yeah. um, and then got transferred to the top league, <laughs> but in Melchester Rovers. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So he was shuffled around. Um, always a great character, I think, throughout yeah. the stories. And of course, you had the, the manager, Victor Boscovich, of, um, in the Hardman story as well. And there were some incredible things. There was, there was one time when one of the floodlights collapsed, didn't it, at the, at the stadium? Oh, my word. And hard mind it still days. sticks with me. We've touched yeah. upon it on the forum, haven't we? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the artwork, I mean, it was in black and white, but you've got the game going on. And uh, there'd recently been a fire at the stadium and uh, it must have weakened some sort of parts of the floodlight. Mm -hmm. And during the match, it started to collapse down onto the pitch. That's right. And it was terrifying. Yeah. It, well, it was, it was, and you know, again, again, we we often think uh, about Roy of the Rovers as a as a comic as as not perhaps being quite as dramatic. We've, we've touched on that before through this podcast as as a story like uh, We Are United, but yet, you know, certainly contained within some of the some of the narratives there. We had that, of course, Roy 
uh, Roy Rice himself was kidnapped on various occasions, as well as being <laughs> shot. And eventually, towards towards the end of the story, uh, which ended 1993, at that stage, he was involved in a, a terrible hel helicopter accident. So, so there was, you know, and perhaps one of one of the most shocking, in many ways, storylines, and I, I know you want to comment on this, girl, is the, the Bajran disaster, which really stands out, and again, around about 1986. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, I don't know, I think, was it a friendly competition they were playing in Bajran? Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember going into the newsagent to get my issue that, that week, and Again, what am I, 14, 15, 16, 17, something like that, depending on when it was. And there, in full colour, on the cover of Roy of the Rovers, was an exploded uh, team bus with the Manchester Rovers players lying all outside, blown out of the team bus, um, potentially dead. And, of course, there were about seven or eight players that passed. But... I thought that that was an absolutely terribly shocking image to have on the cover of a well, a kids' comic. It really was. And um, wow, so that was the, that was the front cover, was it? <laughs> just yeah, yeah. as soon as you walked in. It, wow. If you look on the forum, um, Riddis, uh, just uh, search Bazran terror attack, and I've got that. I've posted a picture of the cover on there, and we've we, we've talked about it before, haven't we, Rab? It was yeah. absolutely shocking, and. I don't, and, and I think I've seen a documentary that talks about it as well since then, and they they did regret doing that because uh, you know they I think they lost some readership, and it got a bit silly as well, didn't it? I can't remember whether it was before or after, but Emlyn Hughes and Steve Norman and and the Spandau Ballet thing, and you know, <laughs> but yeah, it the, it sort of lost its way briefly. I thought, but it was just shocking, absolutely shocking. And to have at least eight of these characters that you know and love um, as a boy, uh, and then, that you know, you've got to deal with death. And yeah. I, I, you know, I'm reading a comic here, come on. Mm. It's good in some ways, obviously, that they're trying to maybe treat a child, you know, as, as an adult, but um, yeah. Yes, no, absolutely, and and it was it was really out of sync, as you say, for Roy of the Rovers, mm. um, which was considered quite a, a safe storyline. Um, and here, this this tremendous drama, um, quite shocking drama, as you say, been introduced. But what what Roy of the Rovers, I think, was particularly successful in doing as well was reinventing itself. And as you say, it brought in celebrities from real life, like the Kent brothers. Spandau Ballet, it had uh, Jeff Boycott as chairman, didn't it, at one stage? <laughs> and yeah. you would have these photo opportunities where um, well-known well -known footballers of the time um, would would have their photo taken next to the, the cardboard cutout of Roy, uh, which is a good marketing tool, I think, as well. Emlyn Hughes played for them, didn't he? He did, yeah. At one time. Bob Wilson. Uh, don't forget Bob Wilson. And Bob Wilson, of course, in goals. And um, not only that, but also in 1990, Gary Lineker got together with uh, Roy to record the single called Europe United, uh, which failed to chart, perhaps unsurprisingly, <laughs> in, in the UK top 40 at the time. Um, but yeah, so it did, unlike other comics, it really did tap into football, not only football culture of, of the day, Roy Verovers, but but also, you know, these photo opportunities um, with real, real life characters. And I think that helped to keep it moving along as well. Hmm. Yeah, because you've got to think about the, the readership and how long someone stays with a comic, because not everyone collects a complete run you know people get bored they grow up their interests change uh, so yeah you you, you you know a good 18 months is a good a, a good amount of time to keep a child interested in a comic but um yeah they've got to reinvent themselves 
yeah. What were you going to say there, Riddis? No, I was going to say I'll have to catch up on the reading, won't I? <laughs> yeah, the sounds of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but certainly it's it's interesting that um, we were we were talking there about wondering why football picture story monthly hasn't continued in the same way that Commando has, for example, and why really there's, there's this dearth of football comics now. But yet, in the past couple of years, Roy of the Rovers has returned. Um, and it's pitched clearly at this this generation of, of readers, rightly so. And you have the, the alternation between a short novel um, in one iteration, and then you have the actual comic strip in, in the next. It's very interesting. We were talking about uh, Johnny Dexter and Victor Boscovic earlier on. He, um, Victor Boscovic ended up turning up in uh, The Terrible Twins. I don't know if uh, you remember that. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and I think after that, when that story finished, he then joined Johnny uh, at the fourth division Burnside Athletic in Dexter's Dozen. Yeah. And it's interesting to note, we've uh, compiled a list on the forum. Uh, I, I've researched just how many spin-offs and crossovers there are to the Roy the Rover stories, and there are about 25. I'll, I'll pull up the list for a future podcast, but it, it's quite amazing. Uh, you know, obviously the, the ones that were uh, like The Apprentices, that story ran because Roy was at Walford Rovers, um, yeah. and that was filling the gap of the people that wanted a Melchester Rover story. And that was the first appearance of Rob Richards as well. Yes. Oh, I know too I know too much, me, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll, I'll pull up that list for, for the next podcast and uh, briefly touch on just how many different stories crossed over with Roy of the Rovers. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Really good knowledge, as you see there, go. And it, it just shows the, the wider appeal. Um, and something else we have on the website, which is more than, than worth a mention, it's, it's worth hopefully the listeners coming on uh, to have a look at this as well on Champ We Are United Pro Boards once more, is we have one of our members, Nikos, and he has contributed some fantastic artwork, original artwork of his own, based on... Roy of the Rovers from different eras. Um, he's, you know, some of the, not only the, the, the scenes which he's produced on there of matches involving Melchester, but also uh, just the crowd which, which he draws into. Certainly. It's, uh, he's contributed over a hundred of his artwork pictures and um, they're just fantastic. I mean, he should be one of the top comic artists in the world. He's absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Um, and I really do urge uh, listeners who haven't joined yet to come along and look at the artwork because it's absolutely wonderful. He really is a talented guy and, and a, a great contributor to the forum. Yeah, yeah very much so. Um... And, and as, as we've spoken about before as well, I, I know that uh, you mentioned the, the run board, as it was then back in the day, um, where Champ We Are United, uh, our own website, came out of. And that involved a, a lot of discussion back then about Roy of the Rovers as a comic, didn't it? And uh, the various characters and storylines. Yeah, it did. Uh... Uh, there were only a few Champ We Are United threads, of course, but as you said, our forum grew out of that. But most of the contributors that we currently have out of our members are, are, are people from the run board. Ridders was one of them as well. And um, yeah, and he came across to us, to the Champ forum. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a good place. Of course, it was a Roy of the Rovers forum, with a few posts of other things. But look, the legacy of that has come out of that is our board and great friendships, as we've said before, 50,000 posts, 
and now a podcast. And, um, and a rich knowledge. I mean, if if you look through some of the posts, I mean, I, I still look through some of the Rivers and United posts that we've done and and the, some of the really hard work goals done in, in pulling the United story together through the ages, right the way from the comic that was even before Iron Bar. But yeah, if, if listeners really want to come and find the history of some of these teams, it's a great place. It's a great place to visit. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. We have an ongoing challenge to try and trace everything back as far as we can. And we know that, I know we touched on this before, but I, the story sort of begins around 1945, I think, with the Blitz kid. And then you've got crossovers um, all the way through. And then we get to the point of Buddy with Limp Along Leslie, who was all, you know, all the way back in the 50s as well. Uh, and then, as you said, Riddis, uh, um, Spike with Iron Bar, and then yeah. Champ, we are united. Yeah. Well, didn't Spike, a, a rich history. Spike merge with it? Did, did Spike merge with Champ? Yeah, Is issue how, 12. That, right. <laughs> That's some good knowledge straight in, issue 12. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I'm the, impressed. The, interestingly, the last episode, the last issue of Spike ended with Joe Pearson appearing in Spike, um, signing Charlie for United. And of course we had Bill Shenton. Was it Bill Shenton originally? Yeah, Bill, yeah, Bill Shenton was the goalie at the time. England international, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he signed him in the last issue of Spike. Uh, and of course, I think uh, issue 12, um, it was Champ and Spike. And Charlie Barr began his life in that story. Yeah. And that, that's a good exercise, that, yeah. to trace the whole story back through in the linkages, because yeah. you have a real history then, don't you? And then yeah. it moves forward into Champ and Victor and FPSM. I mean, that's nearly a of century, course. isn't it? <laughs> You're going to have many inconsistencies, of course. You know, anything prior to um, the Limp Along Leslie stuff, it's, it's reprints from text. You're going to have major inconsistencies, but it smooths itself out. When you get into the 80s, um, there's a bit of crossover of inconsistency with um, when the story continued in Victor um, from uh, 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 Buddy, I think. Um, it's all very confusing, but I urge people to come and have a look because there's some great info on there. Mm. Absolutely. And something you're, you're touching on there going back to the 1950s and, and we already mentioned the emergence of Roy of the Rovers and Roy Race as a character and Tiger in the 1950s so so really the golden era of football comics and um, stretches way back till to then um, going right up to around about the you could probably say early 1990s and then almost it it stops largely, doesn't it? Apart from this, this more recent um, republication of, of the Roy of the Rovers story, and you know, the, the, I, I think I would say I've enjoyed the story on the whole of Roy of the Rovers as it's been reproduced. It's been done in a fresh way. Um, you do have the characters Mighty Mouse reappears as the manager of, of Melchester Rovers, of course this time around, and Johnny Dexter's in there. And Balfour. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and there's, there's, a much, there's a much more prominent role this time around, though, for um, Rocky, for Roy's sister. And there's, there's quite a few touching, I, I think they're very touching family scenes and interactions, where his, his dad has been a lifelong Melchester fan, but he's, he's now confined to a wheelchair. He's, you know, um, going, going through a very difficult illness. And, of course, Roy is desperate to make his dad proud, to, to let his dad know that here he is, um, having signed a, a contract for Melchester. And it goes right back to the start, really, to the, the origins of, of Roy becoming a Melchester player, and I think that part of the, the story over the last 
couple of years has been has been really well done. No, I, I agree. It's uh, the artwork was um, initially uh, a little strange to get used to, uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's been really, really good. And there are so many homages for the older fan. Mm you know, mentions of names and things like that and Paco Diaz and things like that. Yeah, um, yeah I absolutely agree with you. What, what, what do you think, Willis? I think I'll have to start reading them. By the I know, that's I mean, why I said that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest, we, know, we live in the era of, of the reboot, don't we? Franchises yeah. are rebooted and they've clearly tapped into that with... Because um, I, I, I follow a few of the artists. I follow, uh, follow uh, Barry Mitchell. On um on on Twitter, and so I, I you know I'm aware of the of the the Royal Rovers the the reboot, they look great. I think the artwork looks really good. It's it, is it a fair to say it's a little more cartoony than yeah. your traditional eighties comic books. It's yeah. that's yeah. I think there's a manga cartoony. influence. Uh, yes, you know yeah I, that's I think, a good point. Yeah, yeah, I think and that's pretty that. cool with the kids, isn't it nowadays? I don't yeah. know. I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> you sounded like you did. Uh, but as you say, Charlie, you know, there's something there for the traditionalists, for, for fans from the past, and, and the nods to many of the the, love, the, the beloved, beloved characters um, from back in the 70s and 80s of Royal Rovers as well. But it really it brings us kind of full circle there to our third topic for this evening. Uh, following on from the, the Riverton section and Picture Story Monthly 2 and, and Roy of the Rovers, really to pose this question, why do we not have football comics on the market as such now? Um, apart from this Roy of the Rovers reboot, you know, but you, you, you don't have that opportunity to walk into WH Smith, one of the, the few remaining high street news agents, I think, these days, um, and to see football comics among those on the shelves. No, it's it, it's puzzling. I mean, I say football is so popular. Um, I, 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 I don't understand why. I mean, people are still reading comic books, you know? I mean, you know, I, I still regularly pick up um, Batman comic books. I'm still reading DC. I'm still reading the occasional Marvel comic books are there. The yeah. comic book stores are out there. And, and, if, and if anything, last year uh, has shown a rise in, in comic books and digital comic books, both DC and Marvel, I think in America, offered the digital comic book service now, this almost streaming comic book services. Yeah. So it's not that people yeah. aren't reading. It's just that football can't find a niche in that market right now. I, I, puzzling. I don't have the answer to that because if there um, were FPSMs um, out there, I'd be buying them. <laughs> I mean, of course, in recent years, uh, Striker had uh, uh, a run and a second run, uh, but that's the last one, really, until you had the Roy of the Rovers um, reboot. But that still isn't a weekly comic or a fortnightly comic. Um, yeah, Striker was the last one, really. Yeah. Do you think it's the fact that almost you know, you're talking there about a niche in the market. Is there almost too much football available now in, in different forms of media? Because, of course, you can turn on the TV seven nights of the week and, and watch a football match, which yeah. we couldn't in the 1970s and 80s. You know, we're going back to a time and it's, it would be impossible for younger listeners to imagine now that the only matches which you saw live in a, in a typical season would be the FA Cup final, Scottish Cup finals we had up here, and the Scotland-England game was on live. Yeah. And, and that was pretty much it. You know, I, I can think even of a time that uh, if a UK club wasn't involved, you wouldn't get the European Cup final even live. Um, and so I wonder if perhaps it's it's the as you say that people are still very much reading comics, and of course we've seen a, a massive resurgence in the last ten years or so of, of Marvel mm. and DC on the big screen, um, and bringing out all these well-known comic characters to life. But I wonder if 
because football's so accessible in, in those ways now, um, both in TV and, and on the internet, you know, and in YouTube, that kids perhaps through the comics would be pitched that don't need to use their imaginations in, in the same way um, when they're thinking about football to, to create the characters who we love, whether it be Mighty Mouse, Rock Race, Hedgehog Jones. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, characters like that are also slow burners, aren't they? I mean, kids these days, I've got two young kids myself, are quite used to the, the quick hit of YouTube and TV and, you know, FIFA and Pro Evo. Yeah. You've, you've got access to almost, you know, create a football fantasy land on their computer games now as well, rather than rely on stories being told. Yeah. You know, and these characters and stories build over a number of years. You know, you don't just get the finished article. You have to persist with a storyline, don't you? And um, I don't know, it's, 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 it's a change in culture, a change in need. But you, you are probably right that, it, I mean, football is everywhere, isn't it? I mean, it really is. I mean, I, I was watching a documentary the other night at the 85-86 season, I think. At the start, yeah, 85-86. And um, the Football League fell out with the TV companies and there was no football at all from the start of the season until December. I mean, they, they weren't even recorded. Yeah. So, uh, so Ron Atkinson was complaining that Manchester United made this flying start to the season and the only people who knew about it were the ones who went to the game. It's not recorded, it's not documented. So there was no football at all yeah. <laughs> for so many months. Yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think there's probably some truth to that. It's, it's, it's everywhere now, so maybe you don't need your hit from comics. Yeah. It's you know, a shame, I think, though. I think you've hit the mark there, both of you. There's no coincidence that snooker and darts were the pop stars of the 80s they were absolutely massive the coverage from that and yeah there was just there was just no no uh, over what's the word i'm looking for um that there was uh too much i'll say too much There's, there was no too much football all over the place like there is today and, you know, you could get your fix of football from a football comic. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Uh, yeah. And that, that is a, that's a really good point, the 85, 86 season, as you say, with the fallout with the TV companies and no coverage. And I remember yeah. <clears throat> reading about that as well. I think it was West Ham did particularly well at that point. They were up maybe second in the league. And it was Frank McAvaney. He was a centre forward at the time and also also for Scotland was really on fire for them. Yeah, him and Tony Cotty. Him and Tony, Tony Cotty were a lethal partnership, weren't they? They yeah. were. Um, yeah. But as you see, they didn't get the publicity that they, they would have done had you been able to turn on match of the day every yeah. weekend and watch this. And so there really was a market as a result for Roy Verovers for Football Picture Story Monthly. Yeah, talking earlier about 1986, um, yeah. around about that same time, and shortly after was another comic we will get into in future episodes was Gary Lineker's Hotshot, which um, of course was was merged at one point with Roy of the Rovers as well. Um, so was that where I'd have come that. across? Was that where I'd have come across Mighty Mouse and Hotshot Hamish? No, that was in that was in Roy of the Rovers, and Hamish was in previous comics before that as well. Yeah. Oh, okay, right, okay, yeah. yeah. But the only think... thing that uh, um, you may know of is Andy Steele, Playmaker. Yeah. Um, yeah that, that then ended about... up going into Rovers. Right. Yeah, Gary Lineker's Hot Shots. That. Yeah. Okay. Twenty-five issues, and then it ran. It merged into Rovers, and like it normally does in that situation, you get about 30 or 40 Roy of the Rovers and Hotshot labels, and then they drop the merged one out of the title. Um, yeah, the standout yeah. stories for me were Andy Steele, Playmaker, and Magic Man. Um, and I think Magic Man went into Rovers as well, but not straight away um, when the merge happened. That's right. Wow. But, you know, something else Roy of the Rovers 
did really well, I, I thought at the time, and it you know brings back fond memories, is, is not only issuing the league ladders at the start of the season, those small cardboard cutouts that you got, and you you know yeah. some I seasons some seasons you gave up with the team is sitting near the bottom of the league <laughs> in September, but you know, I, I think perhaps shoot gave them away as well. But but I really liked um the section where you could fill in the details of your own team's match that week. Yeah. And back in the day where squad numbers or, or shirt numbers were numbered one to eleven. You know, it's, it sounds like I'm talking about the eighteen hundreds and the things. That's right, kids. That's right, kids. Shirts were one to eleven back in our time. <laughs> and boots were black and white, rather than pink. But um, you know, but you could fill in your team's lineup for that week, and the crowd, and the score, and the halftime score, and you could make a comment in the match. And so, if you collected rival overs at the end of the season, you had your own. You know, um, your own thoughts on your own team season. I really, I really liked the way they did that. Was that That's in the really form good. of a wall chart poster? There was a wall chart that, yes, it came out at the start of the, of the season. Um, right. You could fill in your own team's details, but they, they also yeah. did a, a, you said a weekly version of that, a sort of smaller version. That sounds like something I definitely have done. I used yeah, to tick off the players' names on the back of the Everton programme. You had the little box that you could tick who played that day on right. both sides and then write an S in for who was subbed. Mm. I still Writing stuff like on programmes. Oh, no. Oh, sorry. Going back to the league ladders, if I may just go, go yeah. back to that. You, you made me giggle when you said, you know, you kind of give up if you're bottom of the league. Listen, Talkie United were bottom of the league for about four years running. I gave up for <laughs> half a decade. <laughs> yeah, so no league ladders for you, Joel, but yeah. Um, but I think we've also talked, or touched upon before, some of the spin-offs um, and merchandise from Roy of the Rovers, which at the time was quite unusual, but they had the, the Gola kit and, and the tracksuit, which, which I never managed to get my hands on. Um, but they also had, incredibly, a ZX Spectrum, I think Commodore 64 as well, <laughs> computer game. Um, which you can still see on YouTube. I think it's still playable on some some Spectrum emulators. Um, and of course, there were Subutio versions of of Melchester as well. There were, there were indeed. There was a computer game of Gary Lineker's Hotshot as well. Yeah, uh, that's worthy of a mention. I don't know whether the that the comic was to promote and sell the game, or the game came from the comic. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but. That's worthy of a mention. Yeah. Yeah. What's, you know, what's I, the Royal of the Rovers Melchester Sabutio? Was it official? Was it an official Sabutio team? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I believe so. It had the oh. certainly the seventies version of that, that classic kit with the yellow, the red with the yellow single stripe down at um, down the right hand side. And also I'm sure the Gola kit was was Made by Subutio as well. Oh, that must have been beautiful. I wouldn't have dared to play with that because I <laughs> quite a few of my, my players ended up with big long term injuries. My Subutio yeah. players. It's the one you stood on or the dog chewed the head off. Or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Going off on a tangent, I don't know whether this was official or not. And I know you'll you'll know this or probably know this, Rab. But uh, Saint Etienne, the band, yes. one of their releases was a special uh, album, and Subutio team uh, uh, it, it, with the release of Saint Etienne, I believe. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So it rings a bell. It does ring a bell. And Saint Etienne, of course, um, is that wonderful green and white strip they played? Yeah. I remember they, they came and played a, a European Cup final at Hamden. Um, in the seventies, and that was that was quite an occasion. So that, that's brilliant to give away a Subutio team with a the single. Didn't album have George Best on the front? Didn't a Saint Etienne album? Was that? A, am I thinking of someone else? It wasn't Saint Etienne. I know the one you mean. Um, it will come I'm back. Of a, but yes, yeah. yeah, there is an album with George George Best. Yeah, just as yeah, oh, thinking of someone else. 
but yes, so so Roy of the Rovers really had this pop culture appeal as well, not only with the Spandau Ballet characters, with, with Jeff Boycott, as we said, um, but also this branching out in, into, into other areas of merchandise, and perhaps that contributed to the longevity which, which it enjoyed. And also, I quite like, you know, cricket has never been an interest of mine, I must admit, I don't know much about it, and it's not really taken off in Scotland so much, as I'm sure you know, but every summer um, in the early 80s, Mel Chester, there would be a, a, a cricket tour during the closed season, um, which the players took part in, inevitably, I think it was Charlie Carter broke his arm one time, didn't he? Goalkeeper. Um, and I've you know, it was always quite good drama, and I quite enjoyed that side of it as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it was, yeah, like you said, the early eighties. It was every summer. You knew it was coming. You knew it was coming, and and yeah. uh, and then later on, you'd have a pre-season tournament, of course, back to the football. But yeah, it, it was a few years in the eighties. Still fun, still interesting, though. Absolutely. You really need to catch up on your Rovers knowledge, Ridders. <laughs> Well, I've got a, a a compilation, Roy, uh, and you. I think it's it's Roy the Rovers in the seventies. I think yeah. it's called. It's like That's a good start. Endium. Yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe jump on board. Maybe I could. Uh, I'll read some. I can be like a the canary down the mine, and I'll tell you what it reads like now, afresh <laughs> to someone who's yeah. never read it before. Yeah. I think uh, there's a eighties one out now or coming out soon, covering who shot Roy Race. Yeah. So that that might be an interesting one to that dip into. One. Yeah, that could be one to. I mean, I guess you guys know who who shot Roy Race. <laughs> Roy I, I don't. So um, yeah, that could be a good. Uh, I won't spoil it for you. Won't no, spoil don't spoil it. No. Yeah. It was it was Kristen uh, Sue Ellen's. <laughs> oh no, sorry, that, sorry, that was Dallas. Oh, spoilers! Sorry. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Just, just kind of rounded off that, that segment. I rounded off, I think, probably for the evening, so probably an awful lot of ground tonight. But I just wanted to read um, the the career success of Roy. Um, we were talking earlier about the UEFA Cup success of Riverton, but um, some of the trophies won by Roy and his time at Melchester included nine league championships, three league cups, eight FA Cups, three European Cups, one UEFA Cup, four Cup Winners' Cups, of course they uh, had to complete the whole set, and naturally played on several occasions for England as well. So, and a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> <laughs> and spent a bit of time in the second division um, to boot. Yeah, yeah. So really, Roy the Rovers as a story, it does cover the whole the whole shebang. Um, perhaps, uh, perhaps sometime in the future we can talk about the slight retcon because obviously the idea that Roy was playing from you know the 50s until uh, the end of time is a little bit of a, a bit of a push um, yeah. but yeah they retconned at one point so it was three generations of Roy race perhaps we can uh, talk about that on a future podcast. Absolutely sounds like a plan. So, many, many thanks to um, Ridders and Gull, as ever this evening. Covered an awful lot of ground there, and some fantastic information coming through at different, different points. We really hope you've enjoyed that uh, tonight, or as Gull said earlier, if you listen during the day, wherever you are in the world, of course. <laughs> Tuning in to Champ We Are United. And just a reminder, once more, do check us out at www.champweareunited.com. Any Google search will take you there. It is the top ranking search, I think. Uh, Champ, we are united, followed by the podcast. So we will catch up again next week. We are going to be covering um, some striker. I think that's going to be come up, coming up soon. We will have more. As ever on Riverton, Riddles has just dug out another 
issue from his collection of, of the Pictures Story Monthly is going to be taking us through that one, I think, next time round, and much more besides. So, once again, thank you uh, for very much for listening, and take care, stay safe, and good night.